Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond. Plus, sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, best podcast fans in the world. This is AG from Muller She Wrote, and I just wanted to remind you about our live Q&A panel and meet and greet coming up this July 3rd at the world-famous Comedy Store in La Jolla. The next day is a holiday, so come out and spend your summer vacation with us. We still have some free VIP tickets to give away to new patrons. The VIP tickets get you access to the post-panel cocktail meet and greet, where you can hang out and have some wine with the host and the crew. So head to MullerSheWrote.com now to become a patron and get your free VIP tickets, or head to Eventbrite for your tickets. Or you can call 858-454-9176, and we'll see you July 3rd. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your anonymous host, A.G., Crash in the Chaunch Act. Uh, with me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. The weeks are getting intense. Um, the news stories aren't as plentiful, but they're huge, and the dominoes are starting to fall. We have a great show for you uh, with Jaleesa giving us an update on Tom Barrick and the UAE-Saudi uh, interference situation. Uh, Jordan has an update on Russia and the NRA. She's our NRA girl. Sorry, I just associate you with the NRA and Nunes, Nunes all the time. Yeah. It's sad. Um, and I'm going to talk about your pal and mine, Paul Manafucked. Um, <laughs> that's his name now. We also He got to take off his ankle bracelets, though. Yeah, silver lining. So yeah. that's nice. And replace with shackles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we also have a free bonus episode that's out now about the Department of Justice's Inspector General's findings from the investigation into the handling of the Clinton email investigation leading up to the 2016 election. So check that out. And then we have the MSW Book Club coming out Wednesday. And we have a couple of minisodes for our patrons. Uh, if you're not a patron, you can join up at Patreon um, for as low as a dollar. We'll hook you up with all of our episodes, bonus episodes, newsletter, ad-free content show notes thank you gifts it's awesome uh and stick around for a sabotage this week by journalist scott stedman guys how was your week oh man um you know okay um let's get into it it was a rough week for us in in san diego right i want to give like you know oh you know it was fine but it was it was not as fine as it could have been we lost uh yeah a san diego comic that we all knew um well enough to feel affected by it I, i feel like i knew him pretty well and it's just it's really sad. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Wolpert. We lost Jimmy Wolpert this mm-hmm. week. Um, fixture, staple 
in our scene. He, he was a comedian for a while. He was kind of doing comedy on and off, but he worked, I believe, at the palace. Yeah, he was like um, Tony's right-hand man. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did sound. He did lighting. He did photography. And he was just an absolute like beam of light. He was just a joy to be around, a super great guy, um, had the best laugh in the world. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we have a handful of comics here in San Diego. This is a pretty good scene, uh, but and, and everybody's pretty supportive, but there's a handful of comics that are just head and shoulders the nicest, and he was one of them. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it, and it, it really did affect us all. Yeah, so, so many comics say the first friend that they ever met in the scene was Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we uh, pour a little out for you, homie. Sorry, sorry to see you go. So that's a downer. Sorry to we couldn't we couldn't avoid it. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think uh, face the truth head on. Yeah. It was important to us. Um, I was out of town all week, and I missed all the vigils and shows and tributes. Um, I was out of town at an undisclosed location doing undisclosable things for my undisclosed <laughs> government job. Uh, I can't tell you about any of that, but I can get into the news. So let's kick it off with just the facts. So Monday, the McClatchy Report is at it again. Um, they reported that a web of Russians met with NRA executives during the 2016 campaign. We've been following the NRA story for months, uh, and Jordan's going to have an update for us later in the show. Uh, Washington Post reported Tuesday that Kellyanne Conway's husband, George, rebutted Trump on the constitutionality of the special counsel. If you remember last week, Trump tweeted that the special counsel was totally unconstitutional. (laughs) Uh, But Monday evening, George Conway uh, published an essay asserting that Trump's tweet was a meritless legal position rooted in assumption that is uncomplicatedly and flatly wrong. Wow. Um, is he also said. a Republican or do they he, have like a James? He is. He's very conservative. Mm. Uh, but he said, quote, such a lack of rigor, sadly, has been a disturbing trend in much of the politically charged public discourse about the law lately. And one that lawyers, regardless of their politics, owe a duty to abjure. Unquote. I wonder what it's like in the Conway house. Like he says stuff like that. And Kelly's like, what's abjure mean? I don't even understand. <laughs> As we mentioned before, I think that can make for some great, you know, Relations, I yeah. Think. yeah, some hate fucking in the yeah. bedroom, yeah, yeah, <laughs> George, yeah, for I sure. Hate fucking his wife every yeah. night. <laughs> that's, like, that's really fun. Uh, yeah, that house has that has to be interesting, uh, to say the least. And we all know I've married a Reagan Republican, but he's not. Uh, Was there a Democrat? Kelly and Conway. Oh my gosh, yeah, but a Comey in the sheets. That's there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm a Mueller in the streets. But a Comey in the sheet. Yeah, that's both pretty boring. I was going to look around. (laughs) How about I'm a a Roger Stone in the sheet? Oh, Oh, that is insane. I'm full Nunberg in the sheets. (laughs) Never go full Nunberg. (laughs) Oh, I'll go there. Uh, In a report from Politico Tuesday, Judge Amy Jackson ordered Mueller's team to identify by Friday, June 15th, this past Friday, all individuals and organizations involved in former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort's alleged scheme to lobby on behalf of Ukraine without registering as a foreign agent under U.S. law. So basically, Mueller had to tell the court of the names of the two EU lobbyists that he asked Kalimnik to reach out to, the two guys he wanted to lie for him. Mm -hmm. Mueller filed those documents, and then they were inadvertently released and unsealed, and we learned the names of the Habsburg uh, contacts, uh, up until then only known as D1 and D2, Dick 1 and Dick 2, (laughs) um, as Eckert Sager and Alan Friedman. Uh, former journalists turned public relations specialists. One of them used to work for CNN. The other used to work for Manafort. Hmm. 
And after Gates flipped, Manafort and Kalimnik texted them to try to get them to tell authorities that Manafort never lobbied in the U.S. He only lobbied in the EU and was therefore not beholden to the registering under uh, the FARA Act or the Foreign Agents Registration Act. When uh, when the two journalists found out that Manafort and Kalimnik were trying to reach out to them, they called the FBI and Good. reported them and yeah. said, um, yeah, you probably want to know about this. There's always a time to snitch. I think there's a proper yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I also I also know. So there's suborning perjury that was being thrown around, which would imply that what he was telling them to say would be a lie. Is that confirmed, you know, or is it just simply that he was witness tampering, period, or attempting it? That, that gives him the obstruction of justice charge. Those are the charges. Uh, that's part of the charge. Um, he has not been tried or convicted on any of these charges yet. Um, that's an important note because people think he's in jail right now because he, he's been convicted of something. He's not. Mm-hmm. We'll go over that a little bit later. Oh, yeah. Uh, also Tuesday, Mueller filed a motion to lock down any documents shared with the Russian company in the case of the 13 indicted Russians. If you remember, in response to those 13 indictments, Concord Management and Consulting Group, one of the Russian entities, requested that Mueller turn, turn over millions of pieces of data in discovery. And Mueller wants these documents to be made safe from unauthorized disclosure because that could result in assisting foreign intelligence in future ops against the U.S., Uh, In a related story, Mueller told us all that Russia is currently actively meddling in the 2018 midterms. Mm -hmm. Because we've spent zero of the, what, 120 million? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, that we're supposed to allot to this. Yeah. Cyber security issue. Yes, cyber terrorism issue. Right. And and basically what happens is the head of the FBI or the DOJ has to come to the president and say, I want to do this. And the president has to say yes or no. And who knows if they've asked and he said no. That that would be ultimately scary. That's conjecture. I'm just making things up right now. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, Later Tuesday, Rosenstein called on the House to investigate yourself. Um, (laughs) Better check yourself. (laughs) Check yourself before you lose the midterm. Um, So he wanted to request the House General Counsel so the House has a general counsel to conduct an internal investigation of the conduct of congressional staffers, including the staffers of Devin Nunes. Uh, Rosenstein is expected to make a full formal request for the investigation sometime this week. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Don't worry. We'll keep you posted. Then Tuesday night, rumblings around New York said that Cohen had told quite a few people that he expects to be arrested soon. When asked about it, Cohen denied it. No, no. Fuck you. drunk. <laughs> Uh, we all know that if Cohen goes down, Trump is in a lot of trouble, though by now the special counsel might not even need Cohen's proffer um, and he could just be left out to dry. Uh, but the thing is, is that while you might have all the evidence that you need, and, we, and we've said this before, his testimony to corroborate that evidence is gold. So we can still use that. Oh, yeah. And so his cooperation would be uh, immense. Yeah. Um, so there's that. We'll, f- we'll see what happens, but I think I know. Uh, there was also a shakeup in Cohen's legal counsel. There, were, there, were, uh, there was a lot of speculation about this, but MSW, us, we believe that the change in legal counsel indicates that Cohen is thinking about cooperating. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with Gates, right? Mm-hmm. And, or, and, that it was a signal to Trump that he was going to cooperate, so he's probably fishing for a pardon. Um, we also think Cohen is probably out of money after having to shell out all that cash for his previous legal team to comb through all that discovery from the special master remember when they're like we can't get it by june 14th we have 29 guys working 24 7 we missed the memorial day happenings and uh, and stuff and that's gonna cost a lot of money celebration i think avenatti said he he calculated it scratched out on a napkin it was like five hundred thousand dollars a week between a quarter of a million half a million dollars a week to do that legal work so he's probably out of money too so i don't know if this legal shakeup is like gates where he's trying to shift over to somebody to help him cooperate somebody that's more into that uh, as opposed to not guilty mm-hmm. um, versus 
you know, well, yeah, one of, I mean, it's usually one of those two things, he might right? Be open to all of it, whatever comes first. Yeah, or we don't know if it's because he's just out of money and he can't afford these guys anymore. And they're like, yeah. we're done with you because you don't have any more money. Yeah. Mm. I heard an ABC report that said sources that are close to Cohen told ABC he's thinking about flipping mm-hmm. explicitly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he is. Um, he's been talking to his family and close friends mm-hmm. about cooperating. Then Mueller filed a request for 150 additional subpoenas in the Eastern District of Virginia. That's the case that begins July 25th. That was in addition to the 70 he already reported, or we already reported. Mm -hmm. So now there's like 220 sealed subpoenas on the docket for one trial. (laughs) He can't subpoena us. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, Us? Yeah, we can meet Mueller. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're going to need Mueller, she wrote, to come in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just Um, testimony. We think that they've uh, suborned perjury. Uh, we learned Wednesday from Raw Story that prosecutors began prepping to arrest Cohen. I don't know what that's like. Like, you're just sitting in the corner, like, rubbing your hands together. <laughs> like, here we go. Get the tiny handcuffs ready. They're putting, like, flour on so they can neutralize the slime on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, gloves and, and full-on, like, hazmat suits because he's so fucking gross. Just chalk. <laughs> he's just so toxic. Uh, we also found out Wednesday, and this is a little story that sort of slipped through the cracks, Don McGahn has actually recused himself from the Russia probe, and he did so last year. He did so a year ago. So we were kind of correct when we assumed that Emmett T. Flood was probably coming in to take over for White House counsel. <laughs> and I still feel bad for that guy. QQ. Uh, New York. <laughs> <That's a> sad <laughs> one. <laughs> QQQ. Uh, New York Times released a big story Wednesday night about Tom Barrack's ties to the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Jaleesa is going to go into that in more detail mm-hmm. later in the show. Then Thursday, the big DOJ IG report came out. That's the Department of Justice Inspector General report came out. That's Horowitz. That's the guy who did the whole McCabe report, too. Right. Over 500 pages. Um, I went through the report. <laughs> I'm tired. Um <laughs> And uh, the outline of the major findings uh, we here at MSW consider important. We outlined those in a bonus episode that already came out over the weekend. So check that out if you haven't already. But basically, there's nothing new if you're a listener to this podcast. And all of our predictions were pretty spot on. Of course, the information on leaks from the New York field office were not, you know, mysteriously not in the report. Uh, They talked about a bunch of leaks, but they didn't go specifically into where they were coming from. Uh, We think here that there's a whole separate investigation into that. um, And I go into that in depth in that uh, bonus episode that came out uh, about a day and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Check it out. It's free for everyone. Then Thursday, we learned that the New York um, Attorney General is suing the Trump Foundation on sweeping violations of nonprofit status and persistently illegal conduct. (laughs) Mostly that Trump used his charitable foundation to buy fancy things for himself, like a giant painting of himself. Yeah, the gold one. (laughs) He used it to pay off lawsuit settlements, and he used it to fund his campaign. All of that is illegal. And they're asking for $2.8 million in damages, and that the Trumps be blocked from charity work for a year. Now, according to Maddow on Friday night, Maddow's Friday night episode was pretty epic. This could be very, very serious. Um, and there's a consensus forming uh, that this is potentially extremely bad news for Trump's family, because while it's just a civil suit, it's also been referred to the IRS and the Federal Election Commission. Oh, so they had to pay more, end up having to pay more. They could, no, well, they could, do, they could do a criminal referral. This is just a civil case. Oh, I see They could make criminal referrals. The New York AG did this because, as I just said, you can be criminally prosecuted for far less for lying to the IRS about your nonprofit taxes. Wow. Wesley Snipes, yeah. And it's important to note... (laughs) Did he do that with nonprofits? (laughs) No, not nonprofits. He was bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's important to note that not only is Trump and the Trump family in a lot of trouble, 
But everyone who made donations to the nonprofit disguised as campaign donations has committed tax fraud because you can write off charitable donations, but not political ones. And if they got a tax break for that, they are guilty of criminal tax fraud oh as well. God. Is that misprision? I don't know. I think I don't think so. Oh, I don't think I so. I wanted to use the word. I, was I, gonna say, I love that word. <laughs> so we, we should keep an eye on that because that's potentially humongous. Um, very, very bad. Bigly. That's kind of intense that you're supposed to be keeping track of where your money's going exactly. I, although, like, it's good that rule exists, obviously, because I feel like most foundations at a higher level are cover-ups, generally, which is bad to say, but at some degree. Well, that's why we don't one. like super PACs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't have, it's all dark money. Um, Then we had another felony Friday. Manafort was sent to prison, awaiting trial for violating the terms of his bail agreement yet again. Um, This will now put incredible pressure on Manafort to cooperate. Buddy, where's the spatula? Okay, kids, let's go. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. And I will be going over this hearing later in the show in in a lot of detail because the transcript from the court hearing came out. So we also... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. No spoilers. Yeah, you'll get there. We'll, (laughs) We'll get to it. Also, we learned Friday that the FBI was able to crack the two Blackberries and reassemble the shredded documents seized in the FBI raid on Cohen's offices. And they found over 700 pages, 719 pages, I think, of texts and messages from encrypted services, including Signal and WhatsApp. Oh, my God. And the FBI was able to reconstruct 16 pages of shred that turned out to be printed encrypted messages. Oh, my God. Why would you use an encrypted messaging service and, <laughs> and then, then print, print them out? <laughs> And then shred them. them. You're so proud of yourself, like what you did. And then shred them. He was like, I'm going to hang on the wall. Eh, maybe I shouldn't shred. (laughs) That's destruction of evidence. And and while there are a lot of crimes going on here, the ones that impede justice are the ones that piss the court off the most. Mm -hmm. Obstructing justice, witness tampering, destroying evidence. Anything that kind of interferes with the system of justice Mm -hmm. is super no bueno right can i add a fun fact in here yes trump shreds all his documents that he touches right he tears it up he's not tears supposed up. to do that apparently no it's illegal presidents are supposed to keep everything they have he to used to have see. a whole team that would follow him around and pick up his torn up shit and tape it together <laughs> that's why deleting tweets is illegal apparently right or unconstitutional well he wasn't deleting tweets but blocking blocking people, people yeah. Yeah. yeah i would imagine also deleting tweets might be under the same reason yeah like shredding that why could be yeah. we probably don't have a law for that yet but it should be a presidential record mm-hmm uh, also, Cohen began showing more signals of cooperating. Jordan, you were talking about this. Earlier in the week, his legal team left, as we mentioned, and now he's apparently telling family and friends he's considering flipping. The defense, sorry, cooperating. Um, the defense has been given until June 25th now to review these remaining documents, the shred and the blackberries, before they're sent to the prosecution. Um, the special master's already gone through them and said none of it is protected. Yeah, I think it was in the double digits or something, the amount of papers that were, it was like 17. Well, just, just, this is just the two blackberries in the shred oh got it but yes the other thing was about four hundred thousand pieces of evidence and like 160 were oh, protected yeah, that's right. yeah. very low <laughs> yeah. um and in- what's interesting is they have till june 25th to look through it all and file any objections to su- submitting it into evidence mm-hmm. but all their objections uh, must be filed publicly trump's legal team and cohen's legal team submitted a motion to have it filed ex parte and under seal yeah, and the judge said, said no. no yeah so they wow. have to file those uh, objections publicly love it. and oh all of the objections they filed on the other stuff have mm-hmm. been denied so it's all admissible hell yeah this is great then friday i know i love when justice works (laughs) then friday giuliani went on tv 
which he should just keep doing. Just keep doing it, buddy. And he said the Mueller probe could be, quote, cleaned up with a bunch of presidential pardons. Oh. Odd timing considering Cohen's smoke signals that he's changing legal teams and considering cooperating. Uh, Cohen would be wise not to expect a pardon from Trump, however, as pardon would uh, a pardon would remove his ability to plead the fifth. Um, this news is way bigger than the media is letting on because Giuliani is dangling pardons. And that's tantamount to witness tampering and obstruction of justice. Totally. Obstruction of justice is a little bit harder to prove, but it's definitely witness tampering. And um, this this happened back in Watergate when Nixon called John Dean and he's like, there's good, uh, you know, uh, keep the faith, keep the faith. And he's like, don't even talk to me about this. And this is just on a private phone call. And then later on, he said, there'll be a pardon in it. And he's like, don't say that. Exactly. Don't say that. Right. It's the worst. Nope. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. No, stop talking. La, 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 la. You know, so desperate and so uninformed about how this works. Here's Giuliani just on TV mm-hmm. dangling pardons I wonder if they're dangling pardons on national television so they don't have to go through a back channel which would be entirely obstruction of justice maybe yeah, yeah. maybe they only face uh, uh, witness tampering and not clean. witness tampering and obstruction of yeah, justice yeah. or conspiracy to obstruct justice I don't know it's ridiculous also Cohen applied for a restraining order against Avenatti and, <laughs> and lost which is hilarious within an hour the judge is like get the fuck out of here <laughs> Um, he he didn't want Avenatti to appear on the Lawrence O'Donnell show um, with him. With him, and oh. Lawrence O'Donnell immediately tweeted Avenatti. He goes, "Have you seen this? You want to be on my show tonight?" And he's like, "Absolutely," because they <laughs> knew that a judge would deny it immediately. Mm-hmm. It was pretty hilarious. That is so weird. I know. It's reality TV made its way to MSNBC. It is. <laughs> yeah. We also learned that Trump's legal team will be using the IG report to fight any subpoena that comes from the special counsel's office. They're basically saying that because the IG report said that Comey acted insubordinately, um, that matches Rosenstein's letter that he wrote for why they were firing Comey. So he can't have obstructed justice when he fired Comey because he had a good reason to fire Comey. And this IG report proves that. I don't think that's going to work since Trump said with his own mouth on television that he fired Comey because of Russia and he told Russians that he fired Comey yeah. because of Russians. Yeah. Uh, and Mueller will have to speak to him now to ask him the real reason he fired Comey because mm-hmm. now it's muddied. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it actually gives more power to the subpoena. Not to mention Mueller would not kick out a, a subpoena to the president that wouldn't stick. And Trump also said that he would have fired him anyway before he, he decided he was going to fire Comey before he even got the recommendation from Rosenstein. <laughs> yeah, too. he said that. Oh, I already decided because of Russia. Yeah. I don't think Trump's used to, I mean, he's a celebrity and all, but I don't think he's used to social media the law. technology. The law <laughs> as well. But specifically, you see it with Rudy Giuliani, too. They're surprised when their own words are being used against them in video and audio. They're like, wait, where did you get that? What is this magic? Giuliani should not be surprised. He was New York Attorney General, U.S. Attorney General in New York. Back then, He, he shouldn't be. I guess. He's it's going just, crazy. Technology has exponentially grown. And the things that people can dig up on you, like... It's fair game out there. But you he know? should know. I don't know. Yeah, they just don't think about it. They feel invincible. Syphilis can cloud your brain. <laughs> Very true. Um, no also, offense to my listeners with syphilis. Or Scarface. Yeah, yeah. best of luck. Godspeed. My, <laughs> my, no offense to... <laughs> what did you say? Scarface, Scarface had syphilis. He died from it, right? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. The original Scarface. Not the movie. Like, yeah. I don't remember that. No. The movie. Yeah. He's of all the crazy. threats he had to his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sex. Got him. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Oh. Just a fun fact. Before I had mentioned that uh, the same law firm that my dad had worked for had hired Giuliani, and I didn't think that there was an overlap, but my dad told me that there was actually a week-long overlap where they were working as partners together, and he said that Giuliani is a horrible attorney. 
Yeah. Wow. He's like very, very bad. And he always practicing. has been, right? And he hasn't practiced law in years. Yeah, but even when he did, wasn't he also a piece of shit then? Like I yeah, I've seen a like a some kind of documentary on him and um I skimmed over it. It was late at night. But it seems like he's always <laughs> had a track record. We should do just a segment or um maybe a mini sode on Giuliani. Just All right. his whole You've just given yourself some work. There it, we go. That's sweet. <laughs> Love it. And I think it was Al Capone that had syphilis. There you go. Sorry, oh. sorry, Al Capone. Thank you. Finally, you guys, the Associated Press reported this week that Trump the Trump twenty 2020 election is now uh, campaign is working with ex Cambridge Analytica executives associated with Brad Parscale, who is on our fantasy indictment league. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like they know Trump won't be in the 2020 election and he's really only running to make money. Hmm. That's kind of I think that's yeah, an interesting theory. Pretty accurate. You get to keep your money if you raise stuff and then you don't wind up running. Right. Mm -hmm. Keep it all. Trump TV was in the works, too, before he got elected. I think he intended to go back to media. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not just. Yeah. With Breitbart. And it's not just the um, money that you raise. It's all the 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 rallies and meetings and events that he has at his own hotels Mm -hmm. that he is banking that money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty good deal if you don't win. Yeah. So, yeah, you're getting ripped off, Trump voters. Ha ha. Anyway, that's the news, you guys. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Mueller She Wrote. The she in Mueller She Wrote is no accident. Did you know we are 100% women-owned and operated? Every single person that helps make this podcast possible identifies as a woman. Our creative and web design, our engineer and producers, our editors and digital media manager, our agent, our ad execs, our merchandising manager, and even the postal service clerk that helps me with shipping in our P.O. box. All women and all LGBTQ plus allies. We will continue to employ and partner with women as our podcast grows, but we could use your help. Please support women in podcasting by visiting MullerSheWrote.com and become a patron today. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. (laughs) That thing cracks me up. (laughs) Uh, Today, Jordan is going to give us an update on the NRA taking Russian money and funneling it to Trump. But first, Jaleesa has a story about our buddy Barrick, Tom Barrick. Jaleesa? Yeah, Tom Barrick. So this was a New York Times article published on Wednesday called Who is Behind Trump's Links to Air Princes? A billionaire friend. Thought that was a weird title, but anyways. <laughs> the billionaire friend's name is Tom Barrick. So in April 2016, uh, Barrick's good friend, Donald Trump, was about to grasp the Republican presidential nomination. But Trump's outspoken hostility towards Muslims, exemplified by his infamous Muslim ban, was pissing off the Persian Gulf princes that Barrick depended on as investors. When Barrick tried to introduce Trump to Yusuf al-Oteba of UAE, the ambassador wrote back, quote, confusion about your friend Donald Trump is very high. And he warned that Trump's image had, quote, many people extremely worried. But undeterred, Barrick, a longtime friend of the ambassador, assured him that Trump understood the Persian Gulf perspective by emailing, quote, he also has joint ventures in the UAE. So that was his pitch. And the emails were beginning um, or the beginning of Trump's transformation from a candidate who campaigned against Muslims to a president celebrated by the royal courts. He's even perhaps one of the best allies in the White House that their rulers have ever had. So during the Trump campaign, Barrick was a top fundraiser and trusted gatekeeper who opened communications with the Emirates or Emiratis and Saudis. He even recommended Paul Manafort as campaign manager and then tried to arrange a secret meeting between Manafort and the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. I know. Barrick was also later named chairman of Trump's inaugural committee. 
And since Manafort's been indicted, the Mueller investigation is examining whether the Emiratis and Saudis helped to sway the election in Trump's favor, potentially in coordination with the Russians. So a spokesperson for Barrick said he has been advised he is not a target of the investigation. Even though Mueller interviewed him in December, it's reported that he was asked questions almost exclusively about Manafort and Gates. And Barrick's company, Colony Northstar, has raised more than $7 billion in investments since Trump won the nomination. And 24% of that money has come from the Persian Gulf, all from either the UAE or Saudi Arabia. And of course, Colony Northstar has not disclosed the investors in its funds. But Barrick's representatives did not dispute the authenticity of the emails. His spokesman said in a statement that Barrick, quote, sees his business in the Middle East as a way to help political dialogue and understanding, not the other way around. <laughs> and he does so through relationships that span as far back as the reign of even some of the grandfathers of the current regional rulers. However, Roger Stone said Barrick is the only person he knows who the president speaks to as a peer. I guess besides Ivanka, but that's a different relationship. <laughs> he said, quote, Barrick is to Trump as Bebe Rebozo was to Nixon, which was Nixon's best friend, I guess. Is, mm. it, is it Bebe? It's like a little Latin nickname there. Bebe. Bebe. Oh, it's a white version. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm used to Bebe. So, Bebe. yeah. <laughs> or the, the store. Is, is the store also pronounced Bebe? I've, no, I've always yeah, thought I think my that's head. that's Bebe. Okay, I'm confused now. I, it's okay. Honestly, don't. Uh, yeah. Don't sweat it. But there's Bebe Netanyahu. Oh, yeah. There we go. And then there's a baby something or other who played Lilith on Cheers. There's all sorts of babies. Yeah, yeah. They're all out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hola, baby. <laughs> Barrick's closeness to Trump extends to the Trump family as well. By 2010, he'd acquired $70 million of the debt owed by Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, on his $1.8 billion purchase of that skyscraper we've talked about at 666 Fifth Avenue in New York. $70 billion. Million, yeah. 70 million. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say no, million? No, you said million. Okay, yeah, 70 million, which is still, to me, it's all the same. That's a lot. <laughs> if it's yeah. more than $8, I don't that's know. That might as well be 8 million. <laughs> <laughs> so after just one call with Trump, Barrick was among a group of leaders who agreed to reduce Kushner's obligations to keep him out of bankruptcy. And a month after his first outreach to Ambassador Oteba, Barrick wrote again on May 26th to introduce Kushner, who was preparing for a role as a presidential envoy to the Middle East. Barrick wrote in another email, you will love him, and he agrees with our agenda. <laughs> so I feel like I could go on and on about all the things in the emails that express how there was clear collusion, but I'm just going to go ahead and skip to the part where uh, things get a little tricky. So when Trump won in November, Ambassador Oteba was eager to pull Barrick even closer. He wrote in a note, quote, we have a lot of things that we'll have to do together, together being the operative word, end quote. And Barrick responded, let's do them together, end quote. And later, Barrick attended a dinner party at Ambassador Oteba's home with other Arab ambassadors and former American officials. Barrick offered to make introductions in the new administration. He said, quote, tell me who is high on your hit list. And Ambassador Oteba wrote back, thanks to you, I am in consistent contact with Jared. And that has been extremely helpful for both sides, I think, end quote. Yeah. And they celebrated again. Aww. I know. It's kind of heartwarming also. Yes. Fuck you. By eating squids and crows. Yes, definitely. My friend, the billionaire. <laughs> and just to wrap it all up. So they celebrated again in May 2017 when Trump made his first foreign trip as president to Saudi Arabia at an Arab summit meeting. And Barrick wrote back, quote, it all started with you and JK. And I so congratulate 
or it's, it's a typo on their part. And I so congratulations on a great beginning. <laughs> end quote. I, I so congratulations. They're trying. They're trying. I think it's really funny though, that they're trying to spell to speak English. <laughs> Jared's initials are JK, and yeah. it makes me think like Ivanka would say like I love you, JK. <laughs> Trump's like you're like a son to me, JK. Okay, sorry, that made me giggle. But uh, yeah, and uh, Saudi Arabia and the a- UAE being investigated more. This is all because of Barrick. He's their main connection. And so now with Manafort being indicted and going to jail, it's like this guy has got to be next on the list. So he's not a target right now, but chances are he's definitely coming up, I think. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Uh, and that, you know, we've been talking about Barrick for a while. He's been on our fantasy indictment team for, mm-hmm. for a bit. Um, but yeah, that's uh, an important expansion on the story. So thank you for that. Of course. Jordan, what do you have for us on the NRA? Yeah, so uh, news came out this week that several Russian elites have been identified as having direct contact with NRA officials during the 2016 campaign. These contacts have emerged during deeper investigation into NRA member Alexander Torshin, who we've reported on before, who allegedly funneled money from Russia to the Trump campaign directly through the NRA. I guess uh, that doesn't mean directly. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially. (laughs) Essential consultants, just kidding. Um, It wasn't them. But... Uh, so other Russians have been identified that met with the campaign on top of Alexander Torshin, and those are, number one, Dmitry Rogozin. He served as deputy prime minister to Russia, overseeing Russia's defense uh, sector and industry. And then the second person is Sergei Rudolf, who is head of one of Russia's largest, quote unquote, philanthropies, St. Basil the Great Charitable Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Rudolf the red-nosed Russian. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and uh, that quote-unquote philanthropy uh, organization was founded by an ultranationalist. Not a surprise. Russians, so <laughs> so it comes out this week that Russians had wine to dine NRA representatives, mainly in Moscow, and it's being investigated exactly why they were doing that. It's a crime, just so we know, that's punishable by prison time to donate any foreign money into a U.S. election uh, or campaign. Just a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> So both Mueller and the Senate Intelligence Committee are looking into the potential money flow and what potential criminalities come from that. The NRA donated $30 million to boost Trump's candidacy, and that's more than any other backer that he had. And it's also more than double what they gave to Romney, which is an indication probably. Yeah. More than, yeah, yeah like, shit's I think it'll, like, way more than double. This mm-hmm. is a lot. That was a ridiculous amount. Yeah, I think they gave... Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's like a ten insane. or eleven million to Romney. And yeah, right. I think it was yeah. eleven or something. Mm-hmm. Thirty million to. So, uh, so Torsion has been implicated. Romney, you're the prophet. Oh, <laughs> White horse prophecy. <laughs> um, so Torsion, just a reminder, and also some new information that I learned. He's a uh, he's really he's a sketchy guy, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we already do. Oh yeah, he's gross. Yeah, he's super gross, and he's <clears throat> been implicated in a years-long investigation by a Spanish prosecutor named Jose Grinda. He's, he's going to be on the next Sexy Justice calendar. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing a lot mm-hmm. for the Mueller okay. investigation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good old Jose. Yeah, and so he's investigating money laundering, basically, uh, by the Russian mob into Spanish hotels and banks. And it's come out now that uh, wiretaps... Wiretaps? <laughs> Go ahead and count it. It might be easier. Yeah, yeah. Freedom Fest. Yeah, or we can leave it. I don't really care. Oh, yeah, no worries. (laughs) But if we want to leave it. it, It's endearing. Yeah, sure. Wire terps have have arisen in which... uh, (laughs) Ermagerd, wire terps. (laughs) 
in which uh, a since-convicted Russian money launderer spoke with Torshin and called him El Padrino, which means the godfather in Spanish. Oh. Yeah, and these are the ones that they sent over to us that are going to get uh, DT Jr. in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, exactly. That's always fun for me. Exactly. He- yeah, because they met, DTJ met briefly, right, with him and tried to set up a in one-on-one meeting with Trump, but was unsuccessful. Yeah. So, when but we'll see. Donald Trump, little teeth, Junior. Yeah, <laughs> little teeth, That's little his mouth. Native American name. Um, little teeth. Torsion. Torsion has, of course, denied all ties to the mob. Not surprising. Uh, back in our home front, Democrats in the Senate Intelligence Committee have reached a preliminary conclusion that the Kremlin may have used the NRA to secretly fund the campaign. <laughs> not, not an edgy observation there. Um, it's kind of a stretch, Adam Schiff. You <laughs> sure, bro? Yeah. Uh, Democrats in the committee actually asked Christopher Ray in a May 24th letter to expand their inquiry into seeing if Kremlin NRA money may have been flowing into House and Senate races as well, in addition to the 2016 campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Trump received secret money from the Kremlin through NRA, this could be held over his head by Putin, uh, effectively serving as compromise. Mm-hmm. NRA's general counsel mm-hmm. <laughs> NRA's general counsel John Fraser or Fraser it's just a z i don't know how oh, i prefer Fraser. it's like how i say lasers lasers <laughs> John Fraser Fraser has uh he has that turd has failed to <laughs> total turd he's failed to disclose any of nra's dark money donors like you mentioned a couple minutes ago ag who um, then just so you know dark money donors are people who can contribute anonymously and they often hide behind shell companies so there's a essentially undisclosed amount of money and people that have been donating yeah through. basically russia has been donating a shitload of money to the nra for the trump campaign hiding it and funneling it through shell companies and 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 anonymously which mm-hmm. um is illegal mm-hmm. right and uh torsion has been a friend of the nra since 2011 when he first helped his protege maria butina Start a Russian gun rights group called Right to Bear Arms. Is her mm-hmm. name really Putina? Uh, it's Putina. It's Putina. Oh, okay. Putina. Putina. And and Putina. She, she was the one who asked the question uh, at the Freedom Fest when uh, Trump <laughs> first first said he would ease sanctions. She oh. she was the plant in the audience that said, "What do you do for sanctions?" <laughs> and uh, he said, "Well, that, this is a good question." And uh, he said he would uh, ease them, and we we know we should have a better relationship with Russia, etc. And that was that was Freedom Fest. That's yeah. where that, where our whole thing with Freedom Putina. Fest came from. Is she in our fantasy indictment? She is. Mm-hmm. And so is the right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds not, me of not, that family guy bit with the, uh, <laughs> with the actual bear, bear arms. I thought you meant the, the amendment. <laughs> yeah, no, not the right in general. The the uh, the little Got group. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They literally call themselves right to bear arms. Yeah. They need to get... I hate their names. I they put really they stupid names. Yeah. Like Veselnitskaya's yeah. foundation. The international, wonderful, most happy monkey love yeah. Didn't someone foundation. make us a generator for a super PAC? A super PAC name generator? Yeah, we got to tweet that out. Fisher. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Robert Fisher, he's a badass. Yeah, he really is. He's cool. He's got good hair. He does. Very nice yeah. hair. Yeah. It's, it's surprising. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> surprising. It's surprisingly good hair. Um, <laughs> it's hard to have good hair nowadays. It is these days. Yeah, look at yeah. Trump. Come on. Yeah. yeah. God, I still do not understand. What's happening with his hair? I, I truly <laughs> do not get it. My little sister, actually, she somehow, I have to show you this picture. She did something to her hair that looked just like it. It mm-hmm. was crazy. Have you ever just, seen how you can trump your cat? 
No, you, you brush your cat or your dog. You can trump your dog too. You brush and then you take all the fur and you mat it into a, like a pancake and set it on top of their head and take a picture. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, hashtag trump your cat. Hashtag trump your dog. Tag at Muller. She wrote, "I want to see you guys trump, I love trump your that. animals." That is so. Funny. The next time you brush them, they <laughs> love it. By the way, that's so funny, especially cats. <laughs> Um, all right, so just finishing up here, uh, a Russian expert and Atlantic Council fellow named Anders Asland was appalled that the NRA delegation met with sanctioned Russian officials. He said it's, quote, <clears throat> so embarrassing, um, a.k.a. Uh, Rogozin, he tweeted photos of this meeting when the NRA met with the with them. And they're shooting guns and they're just pictures of them blatantly meeting pew, and pew, talking. Freedom. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Uh, it's important to note that the Russian government doesn't even really have a shared interest in their right yeah. to bear arms. And that was the clear, that's the thing that makes this so obviously just a ploy to get Russian money into American politics. Yeah. They are not pro-gun in Russia right, at no. all. Putin will kill you with his bare hands. Yeah, I was going to say the last <laughs> bare thing hands? he wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bears hairy. come up a lot for mm. right, to, right to bear hands. Yeah, <laughs> bear cops. Remember? Yeah, bear <laughs> cops. Yeah, they they uh, they generally restrict citizens from even owning a shotgun. And I think in like five years of ownership of a shotgun, then you can apply to have an actual hunting rifle or wow. something. It's I actually agree with Russia on something. Yeah. Well, they only have like nine people that live there. Yeah, and, and, and Putin's and afraid of his own people. I was yeah. gonna say, I feel like that's mainly for oppressive reasons, mm-hmm. which I. Hate to make that argument. Yeah, because, because they um, make it in America. First they yes. take your guns, then they take your freedom. And, but typically we don't have dictators. Right, <laughs> like, have look, dicks. look, look, look. We don't want to take your shotguns or your handguns. We just want to take your fully your, your fully and semi-automatic assault-style yeah. rifles Put that them in you a pile. should only have if you're in the military. And yeah. if you need them to shoot, you suck at aiming and you should find a new <laughs> hobby. And if you want to carry around an M16 or any kind of uh, even a semi-automatic assault rifle, you can join the military like I did. Yep. You pussy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not to Boom. insult pussies. <laughs> <laughs> nice around thank you out no there. emails thank you <laughs> thank you i'm no a emails, pussy please. and i'm offended <laughs> sorry um <laughs> uh so my pussy is way better than you <laughs> that's a good bumper sticker and, <laughs> um in uh conclusion considering the <laughs> considering the exclusive contacts between the nra and top russian officials during the campaign Investigators have said that it appears, quote, something very bad happened in 2016. <laughs> mm. That's a good bumper sticker. Yes. Yeah. Something, something we don't know bad. what it is. <laughs> something wicked feeling. that way went. <laughs> we should make that. Yeah. <laughs> we should, if there's Shit's a million things up. we should make. Did yeah. you see the Ghostbusters poster I that did. someone made for us? It was so good. That was so good. And so I, didn't, quick. I didn't realize Barbara Jones looked like that. Oh, yeah. And then... Um, I was like, you go, Barbara. And, and then there was uh, the the leash. It was Gowdy with Nunez on a backpack, child yes. backpack leash. <clears throat> that was fantastic. So you guys, funny. if you if you aren't a patron, the newsletter is so worth it. You can just yeah. see all these great memes that everybody makes. They're pretty, yeah, I'll send out the Ghostbusters they're, one day. They're pretty dank. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys, I want to talk a little bit about Manafort getting thrown into prison this week because it makes my heart happy. <laughs> so satisfying. And if you're someone who thinks I shouldn't take pleasure in the pain of others, um, something Germans call Schadenfreude. Um, you guys know what Schadenfreude is? No. Yeah, that the Germans have a word for it. Taking taking pleasure in other people's mm, well, despair. We're all petty deep down, even on a minor level. But yeah. I, I I want you guys to know that I only am I'm taking pleasure in karmic retribution and when our justice system works like it should. Mm-hmm. That's what pleases me exactly. And if you 
I'm sorry. If you're a Nazi or a kid fucker or a Manafort, I'm I'm not going to feel bad for yeah. being happy Manafucker. that you're in jail. Yeah. You're a Manafucker. He, there's about to be some. Yeah. There's <laughs> no rehabilitating a kid fucker or a Manafort. No. no. There's not only in my society. studying. Nope. <laughs> it sounds so patriotic. Not my America. No. I mean it, though. Like, I don't like those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The majority of people in prisons right now are people with drug problems, and they can be rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Totally. The people who cannot are these white collar criminal asshole mm-hmm. pedophile privilege is really hard to rehabilitate mofos mm-hmm. yeah yeah because and it, it, it just it's proven by manafort's conduct mm-hmm. during his bail release and and here we go let's get into it um in court on friday in the hearing there were three prosecutors from Mueller's office along with an fbi agent um probably the agent who was contacted by d1 and d2 uh that that manafort was trying to tell him to lie uh, then there were three defense lawyers working for Manafort, along with Manafort himself. The hearing began with an arraignment um, for a seven-count superseding indictment, including conspiracy against the United States, conspiracy to launder money, acting as an unregistered agent in a foreign principal, of, of a foreign principal, mm-hmm. false FARA statements, false regular statements, <laughs> um, <laughs> obstruction of justice, and conspiracy to obstruct justice. Manafort pleaded not guilty on all counts. Um, wow, bold. The, the last two counts are the ones that, that came up this past week. Uh, the ones where he was indicted jointly with Konstantin Kalimnik for trying to get the two guys in an EU public relations firm called Habsburg to lie for him and say that Manafort only lobbied for Yanukovych in Europe and not the United States. Um, So he's pleading not guilty to those charges as well. Uh, After that plea, the judge took up the the issue of Manafort's release agreement and whether or not he violated his bail um, by conspiring with Kalimnik to contact D1 and D2 in an effort to secure material false testimony. Uh, materially false testimony. Last week, Mueller filed the motion to review Manafort's release and then shortly after brought these two felony charges against him for obstruction um, in another superseding indictment, obstruction and conspiracy uh, to commit obstruction. Uh, According to prosecutors, that is witness tampering, and the judge should reconsider the fact that Manafort is out on bail awaiting trial. Um, in the transcript, according to Maddow, Maddow, uh, I think was the first to break the transcript. Right. Um, we get a unique look into just how much pressure Manafort is now under. Manafort's lawyers tried to argue that when he was trying to contact D1 and D2, who we now know are Sager and Friedman, that he could not have been tampering with witnesses because he was just reaching out to buddies <laughs> and he didn't know they were witnesses. Hey, you up? <laughs> Let's get our story straight. <laughs> New phone. Who dis? Yeah. Uh, at I that, like sending my friends cryptic messages. Yeah. <laughs> Is it emoji? Like a- that would be so great if D two was like New phone. Who dis? And then he calls the FBI. A uh, dude, Manafort, <laughs> texted me and asked me to lie. <laughs> at that point, Manafort's lawyers uh, give Man- well one of Manafort's lawyers gives. Manafort's defense against the motion to revoke bail. Basically, here's my argument why you don't you why you don't put him in jail. Mm-hmm. Quote, the difficulty here is that there is a broad-ranging matter. This is a broad-ranging matter that is largely something the government continues to expand, and with that, it puts Manafort in a position of not knowing whether any calls he makes uh, is a risk of violating the unknown list of witnesses in a situation where it's not made clear. So from my perspective, a clear no contact um order will solve the problem i think if we can simply cut off that line of contact it will solve this problem and i know that this is the kind of thing that the judge wishes they didn't have to deal with to which the judge replied this has been and continues to be to this minute an extraordinarily difficult decision and manafort's lawyer goes on to suggest that a no contact rule that is clear and unambiguous from this court 
um, that this will not happen again will basically do the trick. He suggested that the goal of what the court does is all about preventing this from happening again. And he goes on to say that jumping to the thought of remand, putting him in jail, could achieve that result, um, but that it would be more harsh and creates more challenges for Manafort because he faces two trials in separate courts and he's mm-hmm. preparing for those trials. It would cause uh, it would be more harsh than the Bail Reform Act compels under these circumstances. Well, <laughs> that's when it was Mueller's team, M- Mueller's team's time to mm-hmm. respond. So oh yeah, Mueller wasn't there himself, but he had three pretty great guys. Uh, and the judge reminds them, he says, all right, you ready to go, Mr. Anders? Because he's already standing up like, I'm ready to go. He's like, all right, the burden's on the prosecution. Hit it. So he says, quote, <laughs> my colleague has the law. He's talking about the other lawyer. My colleague has the law absolutely wrong with respect to witness tampering. Absolutely wrong. A defendant can be involved in witness tampering without a list of witnesses. It's any person who might give testimony with the Habsburg group, D1 and D2, control the Habsburg group. These two guys are in charge of it. It's inconceivable. It's inconceivable that he did not know that they were potential witnesses. And that's what the law is. Not that they've been told that there's a witness. This isn't about a no contact list. This is about influencing the testimony of potential witnesses, a crime for which Manafort has now been indicted. He absolutely violated the terms of his bail by committing a crime while out on bail. That's one. Two, he has the law absolutely wrong about the threats of violence and witness tampering. When a defendant tells a witness a false story and reminds him of that story, the courts have repeatedly upheld that that constitutes witness tampering. So the defense counsel is wrong about what it means to be a witness. He is wrong about having a no contact <laughs> list or a list of witnesses. End we quote. A, a Trump quote of the clip where he's like wrong every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is so I wish I were in that room. I got hot just hearing that. Like, <laughs> it's, it gets better. Uh, the prosecution went on to talk about the encryption apps for Manafort that he used to contact D1 and D2, along with a technique called foldering, which is where you open up your Gmail, you write emails, save them in the draft folder, give someone else your password so they can read your drafts without it ever being sent or received. Oh, my God. So that's obviously Manafort trying to evade surveillance. Wow. And if you didn't know that you were not supposed to contact somebody, why would you be foldering? <laughs> um, the prosecution then told the judge that they didn't learn about this witness tampering through surveillance okay they learned about it because a witness told the prosecution about it that is what kicked off this investigation so there's no way to monitor manafort's communications in any effective way you just have to hope somebody tells you about it Um, so a no contact list is not sufficient to protect the community from manafort doing this again Mm -hmm. not to mention that this wasn't a single episode it was a campaign to suborn perjury that occurred over five weeks (laughs) The simple fact is that Manafort is out on a $10 million bond and that he committed a crime while he was out on bail. So after some more back and forth, uh, Judge Amy, uh, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, (laughs) um, took a 15-minute recess and then came back to give her ruling, and it is fucking epic. Did she just eat a sandwich? She already knew what she was going to (laughs) say. She actually wrote a really well-thought-out response. Okay. And I'm... This... Okay. Let's do it. We're not going to talk about how excited I am about this. (laughs) It's not healthy. Um, (laughs) Quote, the touchstone of the Bail Reform Act is still and always has been flight and safety. 
The law is clear that I cannot impose pretrial detention to punish the defendant for the alleged conduct in the new allegations. And so I have struggled with this decision because she really wants to punish him for this. Uh, here, I don't believe there's any charge in the defendant's risk of, or excuse me, any change in the defendant's risk of flight. The additional charges don't really change that calculus, given what he's already facing. Now, is he a danger? While the grand jury has found probable cause to believe that the defendant has attempted to corruptly persuade people to lie, there's been no evidence of a threat of harm to any person. We do not have what one would consider the typical sort of harm to the community at, at large, like dangerous substances, be, substances being peddled on the corner or unlawful possession of firearms. Right. So time out right here, because what she's getting at right now sounds like she's going to let Manafort off the hook, that she can't prove that his flight risk has changed mm-hmm. and that he doesn't seem like a danger to others. Because in, in the normal sense of the word, he's not going to go out and continue to sell drugs. He's not going to go out and continue to carry um, a, a, an unregistered firearm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then she says... The harm in this case is the harm to the administration of justice. It is the harm to the integrity of the court system. And I've wrestled with this. What conditions could there be? This is not middle school. I cannot take his cell phone. (laughs) And if I say, well, don't call the 56 witnesses that the defense tells me I need to clearly list in this order, what if he calls the 57th? All the defendant has said to me is that there wasn't a clear enough order not to do it. And my problem is... I don't think I can draft a clear enough order to cover cover every possible future violation of the United States Code, and I shouldn't have to. I've thought about this long and hard, Mr. Manafort, and I have no appetite for this, but in the end, I cannot turn a blind eye to these allegations, given the number of contacts, the persistence of the contacts, and their obvious intent and import. It is how they were perceived and received by the person to whom they were made. And this witness tampering occurred while the defendant was already on bond and already under an order by another judge not to do this. The indictment alleges a corrupt attempt to undermine the integrity and truth of the fact-finding process upon which our system of justice depends. The defense suggested that it was inappropriate for the government to bring these matters to my attention. And so I want to state quite clearly that it absolutely was not. You struck that note repeatedly in your papers. But this hearing is not about politics. It's not about the conduct of the Office of Special Counsel. It's about the defendant's alleged conduct. And I'm very troubled that the contacts with these witnesses are alleged to have taken place even after you were under an explicit order not to contact witnesses directly or indirectly. I'm concerned that you seemed inclined to treat these proceedings as just another marketing exercise and not a criminal case brought by a duly appointed federal prosecutor in a federal court. Mm. And so all of this at the bottom affects my judgment about whether you can be trusted to comply with the court's directives. And that is the finding that the statute also requires me to make if I release you. And I can't make it. You have abused the trust placed in you six months ago, and therefore the government's motion will be granted and the defendant will be detained pending trial as of today. Woo! Yeah! Cool. If we were there, we'd be like, oh, shit. I would do the wave. Whoa! <laughs> That's wow. so dramatic. Wasn't that a badass yes. little thing she wrote in 15 minutes? Yeah. I love it. And I love how she talks about not politicizing it and how it's not, this yeah. is not political this at all. This isn't your marketing platform. Yeah. Because that's and what's been tainting this is is people inter- interfering with the functioning of the Justice Department yeah. trying to say that it's politically motivated. And it's this, like, get the fuck out. This is about <laughs> how the fucking Justice Department works. Yeah. yeah. And it's about flight and harm. And while I don't think your flight risk has changed, and while you might not go out and punch somebody in the face, 
the harm is to the system of justice. Mm-hmm. Oh. That was sexy, sexy justice. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. after that, too. sexy totally. justice calendar. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Amy, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, mm-hmm. she's going to be in the next sexy justice calendar. The defense then asked for a stay so that they have time to appeal. Can he stay out of jail while we come up with an appeal? Uh, Mueller's team opposed that application, and the judge said, quote, and I'm also concerned that now that I've issued this order, the risk of flight has just multiplied substantially. Oh. So I appreciate the request, but I'm going to deny it. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Then they took him away. They let him out of the courtroom to jail. And a couple minutes later, the marshal came back in with his belt, his wallet, and his tie and gave it to Manafort's wife. Yeah, take that belt away. (laughs) We don't need that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Mm. That is insane. And he's a VIP in the jail too, right? He's like a He's t- in a VIP yeah, jail. Yeah, he's separated, yeah. which he's is in a very nice. Is that a it's VIP not fancy. Jail. It's just like a separation kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I still, hope it's not fancy. It's still jail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll see how long he lasts. Mm. Anyway, guys, those are hot notes. We'll be right back with the Fantasy Indictment League and a very special sabotage. Hey, Muller Junkies. Thank you so much for supporting our show and supporting women in podcasting. I need to ask you for a quick favor that will not cost you a dime. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and then subscribe. That simple act goes a long way to helping us get the word out about the Mueller investigation. And more importantly, it expands our efforts to flip Congress blue in November. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at MuellerSheWrote to be automatically entered to win a PlayStation 4. Don't ask. Thank you so much for listening. We would not be here without you. All right. Are you guys ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. This week, I think, inspired by Jordan's lovely report on the NRA execs, uh, we should add the ones that we didn't already have on our team along with the Russians they met, including Rogozin, Rudolph, <laughs> uh, Wayne LaPierre. I think we might have had Wayne LaPierre on there. David Keene, David Clark, Sheriff David Clark, with all of his flair. Mm-hmm. And Pete Brownell. Hmm. So I'm going to add those guys um, because I think the NRA is going down and they're going to go down hard. Yeah. And yeah. we already have some other guys like Erickson and Mashburn and Dearborn and totally. all those fellas. Mm-hmm. Barrick, Boutine, Boutina. Boutina. Yeah. Torsion we've already had on there for a while now. Right, right. He's just creepy. I think we are so overdue for a large fantasy indictment leak chart. I want to put it on my wall. I just got to make it. <laughs> I got to listen to all of them. Yeah, I've yeah. been writing them down. I just have them in my notes. Exactly. In my it's like, really oh. all in the episodes. Yeah, got to dig back. But it's worth it, I think, because the list grows every week so exponentially that I'm just ready. We have to... over 100 people on yeah, it. Yeah, we and, need a big and one. And probably about 10 or 15 entities mm-hmm. uh, on there that have yeah. not already been indicted. Right. There's several that have been. Yeah, yeah. A big whiteboard would be appropriate until we're done. Mm-hmm. And then, and <laughs> yeah. then, yeah. What we could do is um, for each one that we got right in time, mm-hmm. you know, we could give ourselves a little check mark. I don't totally. know. Totally, that's the way to do it. That's how they do most actual leagues, right? We haven't actually. <laughs> we could do squares. Yeah, <laughs> buy a square in your office pool. It's not gambling. It's not illegal at all. Nice, nice. All right, you guys. Uh, so yeah, let's just add up those NRA execs. And might as well. I hadn't, I hadn't had them on there already. Like Rogozin and Rudolph. I didn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they're on there now. Cool. Are you guys ready for sabotage? Yeah. Today, we have a very special sabotage. Let's have a listen. Hello? 
Hey, is this Scott? Yes, it is. How you doing? Good. Good afternoon. This is AG from Muller She Wrote. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. We're really excited to have you. Um, I just kind of wanted to set up this uh, amazing article <clears throat> that you uh, that you put out. Uh, well, I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm, last night. Mm-hmm. And and basically, a little less than a month ago, um, I think it was May nineteenth. The New York Times uh, broke a story that Donald Trump Jr. had met with Nader, Eric Prince, mm-hmm. and a guy named Zamel from an Israeli firm called Psy Group, and they met mm-hmm. at Trump Tower on August third in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we talked about it on the podcast. And apparently, Zamel had offered assistance to the Trump campaign for like for social media assistance. Um, and then after Trump was elected, Nader apparently transferred two million dollars to the Psy Group mm-hmm. after after Zamel had produced this fancy PowerPoint showing how they had successfully manipulated social media to help Trump win. And you broke an exclusive update to this story this week. Um, and we're really happy to have you, and we want to hear all about it. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I just graduated from college yesterday. I had my last day at school. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad to be done. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I finished with a political science degree, um, and I'm basically just starting my career as an investigative journalist. Um, and I've been writing for the past nine months or so on the Trump Russia story. And, can, and I know that this, this might be a personal question that we don't usually ask our, our, you know, mm-hmm. our interviewees, but how old are you? I'm 22. Uh, I turned 22 in January. Yeah. That's truly amazing for what the, the sources you've been able to, to make already, uh, and the contacts you have, uh, and the reporting that you've done. I've, I've been following you on Twitter for a while and it's, it's pretty it's pretty astounding that, that you've you've done all this at, at such an age. So congratulations. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much. I appreciate that. I know you have a, a, an amazing career ahead of you, and I think thank we'll be you. hearing a lot from you. So so what happened now with this uh, this Psy group? Uh, I remember we, we saw it on the news. We reported it. This was a big deal about this August 3rd meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a huge story, and I think it got overlooked just because of the, the avalanche of news that's been coming out. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was a good summary you gave. Basically, Mueller's been looking for um, every every bit of info about this second Trump Tower meeting. He's subpoena bank records um, in Cyprus um, based on a bunch of news stories and a source that I talked to who is familiar with uh, you know recent testimony to Mueller. Um, it's really been a focus of his. Um, you know, earlier this year, he was looking a lot at Roger Stone and the WikiLeaks connection. But basically, these past few months, this second Trump Tower meeting has been a key point for Mueller um, in his investigation. Um, and as far as my report last night, basically, I've, I've analyzed the ownership of this is Israeli private intelligence group, Psy Group. And I found a ton of connections to Russian business and Russian banks, specifically state-owned banks, which is, you know, under the control of the Kremlin. Yeah, I think you have um, three, three big ones in your article. Yeah, there's three big banks. Two are owned by the Russian government. One is a smaller private um, private bank that's owned by an oligarch. So pretty much it's the same thing as the Russian government. Um, right. Yeah, so Mueller's been trying to figure out if this offer of help from Zamel and Psy Group 
was coordinated at all with Russia. Um, the story that's been out is that it was uh, the offer of help was on behalf of Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Yeah, that's what we had reported. That's kind of what everybody was figuring, that this had now cracked open to not just being a Trump-Russia probe, but a Trump-Russia-UAE-Saudi Arabia-Israeli probe. Yeah, and that's that's certainly still possible, but I, I'm sort of getting the feeling that that is a cover story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no nothing that I've... I've looked through hundreds of documents on Psy Group, their parent company, and all these shell companies that they set up. There are zero connections to the Middle East. Um, there's not been one Israeli person involved apart from the... Uh, the company that, that operates in Tel Aviv. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting structure that they set up and it disguises completely who's actually behind this intelligence group. Yeah, I'd throw, I'd throw Eric Prince in your uh, fantasy draft. Oh, okay. So you have yeah. Prin- Prince Cohen and uh, who, who was your third? I think, I think probably Roger Stone. He's an easy easy pick for that. Yeah, him and his Nixon tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that'll do well in prison. <laughs> we thought about that. <laughs> We're like, actually, it might be a pretty good deterrent. For- yeah, yeah, I don't think, yeah. Uh, but, yeah let's not get into that. <laughs> let's not go there. That's not, yeah. not a mental picture that we want to uh, create, especially in this day and age. But um, that's really interesting that you say that. And, and I... and. I'm glad somebody agrees with me on the um, the New York field office leaks, and I'm surprised. Well, I'm not surprised that Comey and McCabe haven't said anything about it because it would put a huge black eye on the FBI. And that's uh, in his book, he talks over and over again about protecting the reservoir of trust that has been built up by all the agents of the past. You know. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he was in an impossible situation, and you know, the New York field office is just you know. It put him in a position where he couldn't win, and you know he he made the decision he had to at that point. But yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, well, we got your picks, and uh, awesome. We uh, really appreciate you taking the time to let us uh, talk to you about this uh, side group uh, situation and its its ties to Russia that you found. Congratulations on that scoop. Um, you're gonna go far, and please. <laughs> Be, make yourself available to us when this uh, Prince uh, stuff drops, because I, I would be really interested uh, in having you on about that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for having me on. It was fun. Great. You have a good day. OK, you too. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. What a cool interview. What a cool kid. Twenty two. Yeah, that blew my mind when I saw that. Just graduated. Congratulations, Scott. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to keep in touch with you because you seem to have I don't know, a lot of neat upcoming exclusive breaking stories. And this one you put out with Medium this week, that was really, really intense. And you know, an alarm bell went off for me in my head. So you know, an alarm bell went off in my head after that interview. Do you guys remember in the Fusion GPS transcripts, when Glenn Simpson talked about the notes that Manafort wrote in his phone after the first Trump Tower meeting in June? Yes. One of the notes was, quote, Cyprus as an inter. I-N-T-E-R, assuming that means using Cyprus as a fiscal intermediary. Could they have talked about the Psy Group in that first meeting? Because as you heard Scott Stedman just say, that a lot of this Russian money that backed the Psy Group came uh, through Cyprus, uh, Mm -hmm. through Cypriot um, 
shell companies. Right. So if if that first Trump Tower meeting was a bust and they went in looking for dirt on Hillary and they didn't get it and they talked about adoptions for a minute and then they went, fuck this. Why would Manafort have caused to write a note that said we could use Cyprus as an intermediary, a fiscal hmm. intermediary? Um, because that side group meeting at Trump Tower only took place like a month later. Are they connected? Um, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't quite know. Maybe they brought up the side group in that first meeting. Maybe that was Vessel Nut Sky's other pitch. Not to mention Goldstone's fo- Goldstone. <laughs> Goldstone's follow-up email after that um, first meeting. And the, then the DNC hack went down and, and Goldstone said, eerie considering what we talked about in Trump Tower, meaning mm-hmm. the first meeting. So it wasn't just about adoptions hmm. uh, and, you know, dirt on Hillary that they didn't get. Oh, um, yeah. so I'm wondering if the side group was in there. Um, something else went on in that first Trump Tower meeting. What's that? I, I don't know. Oh, you're saying it's like it's got to do with the side group. Well, it's got to do with yeah. uh, the social media campaign, mm-hmm. um, either through the Internet Research Agency in Russia and the side group out of Israel funded by Russia, backed mm-hmm. by UAE and Saudi Arabia or both. Yeah. Something went and on. Ad- adoption mm-hmm. sounded bizarre. But what if that was a better excuse than what actually was going down well they actually according to somebody uh who uh, who was at the meeting they said that um they tried to save the meeting when they couldn't get dirt on hillary um the russian guy tried to save the meeting by saying oh but we could you know if you get rid of the magnitsky act if you ease sanctions we can start adoptions and then your christian white ladies will love that mm. and manafort and don trump would be like fuck off and then maybe they brought up psy after that as or another before way. that like, oh yeah because because i know that veselnet Skaya was there with her big binder, the same one that she gave Rora uh, Bakker about mm-hmm. about the Magnitsky Act, her right. campaign against the Magnitsky Act. But between that and the and the breakdown of the fact that they didn't have any dirt on Hillary, was there discussion of social paying for social media campaigns from foreign enemies? Mm. Because just a month later, we now have this, and it's all tied to Russian money, and it did include that whole PowerPoint presentation on how Trump won and how they Nader paid him two million dollars after yeah the Trump after Trump won the election, and I could see them being like, all right, we're going to try these ops. Um, we're going to do it out of Israel, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Russia. Russia is going to back the whole thing. We're going <laughs> to use Cyprus as an intermediary, a fiscal intermediary, to hide where the money is coming from. Oh my goodness! It's going to go through that slush fund in Cohen's bank account, and uh, and then if if he wins, we'll pay you. Ag, I Jesus. think he just nailed the whole thing. I mean, at least one huge, <laughs> one huge chunk, chunk of it. Well, put some beans on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. And now we are to our uh, Q and A segment, Yay. which I love this segment super a lot. So fun, yeah. All right, so here we go. At Hook Magic, Dustin Jones says, "Quote: Mueller asked to interview DT months ago, Donald Trump months ago. Why is he waiting on the subpoena? Um, it seems I'd rather get that ball rolling now." Uh, if it's going to end up in the SCOTUS anyway, is he just not ready? What's the holdup, yo? That's what he says. <laughs> uh, I think it's better for all parties involved if they're actually able to negotiate a an interview. Um, I think if it comes down to, yeah, but you're right. There, it's Trump is dawdling um, to try to push it closer to the midterm election so that they can black out for then and then come back again later maybe and, and touch on it. So it, it loses steam. We're all, the, the polls are showing, as we talked about earlier before the show started, that uh, the people's faith in the Mueller investigation is, do- is dwindling. I think it's fatigue. Yeah. And I think that Trump knows the longer you push it on, the more people will get sick of it. That's right. So why is Mueller waiting? I, I, I Honestly, the only thing I can think of is that it's more expeditious for all parties if he can actually get the interview. I, I still think 
that if he doesn't, he'll subpoena him. I don't think that the DOJ IG report is going to save Trump from a subpoena. Um, but I do know that I know this. Mueller will not issue a subpoena unless it's going to hold up in court. Yeah, he's a man of the law. That's why he's waiting. He's patient because the law requires you to be. Well, not only that, but if he, if he does have to issue a subpoena, it could drag it out even further. Oh, and he's probably thinking about that. Yeah. He wouldn't want that. Yeah. Uh, at JC Doulos one wants to know if we think Trump will actually end up in prison. We get this question a lot. I think yeah. yes, but maybe not until after he's out. You said Trump? Trump. I, I have a theory that he won't. Yeah? I think he'll flee. <laughs> I think really? he, I don't I don't think Trump will spend his last ten years in a prison in America when he's so rich. When and he so could privileged. flee to Russia, I think Russia would take him in. Yeah, that's true. He's old as fuck. I don't yeah. know. I think Putin would be like, "Fuck off." Hopefully, he'll yeah. do that whole thing that he's he that he when he dangled the Trump towers in front of him mm-hmm. and like or when they tried to get Paige, you yeah. know, they they string him along and then when they get what they need, they say, "Fuck Go you." Fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think uh, I, I don't think Putin will give Trump asylum. Yeah, didn't Putin take Snowden in? Uh, yeah, but that was only to make America mad. And I think he would take Trump in just to make us mad. That's because when you release our, you know, sources and methods, it, it I know it's destroys the integrity yeah, of yeah. our justice system, right. which he's for. Exactly. He's so Trump fleeing, even though Putin doesn't care about Trump, he cares about hurting, hurt, hurting America. And I think even after Trump's gone, he doesn't want this blue wave. Now, here's another to- thing that you have to consider too: Trump, his whole 100 percent. The reason that he's alive is to have cameras on him and fame. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would really go into hiding? Yeah. Or, that, or would he rather be a famous in jail figure oh, for the yeah. rest of his life? A reality show of Trump in prison would keep him in America. He would make money on that. <laughs> totally. He could feed his kids. And I'd watch it every day of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I probably would be torn. Um, Ashley Judd Arrington says, quote, do you think we will make it to November or will we slide into full blown authoritarianism before then? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> to that I say. Yeah, just hang in there, man. Uh, it's probably not going to be one more day, but I don't think you get faith. full-blown fascism as long as the the blue wave is true. Well, that's what she asked. That's yeah. what she's asking. So, could we hit it? full-blown fascism before then? I think we'll make then? it. Yeah, I, I think we'll think make it so. too. We're going to make it after all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we'll make it. Yeah. It's it scary there. though. Yeah. And there's a lot of fatigue and it's get it gets old, I get it, but we we have to keep it's work to run a, a a democracy totally mm-hmm. or an authoritarian and I, honestly i feel like a, a dictatorship i feel like trump wouldn't be able to put in the work well i think yeah. it's easier to slide into authoritarianism than oh. it is to maintain a democracy yeah like sliding in your dms it's just like so tempting you're weird <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah there's a there's like this cycle of governments that i learned about when i studied political theory that aristotle basically says that all societies cycle through and authoritarianism is always one that we inevitably kind of land on it's inertia yeah oh man i hate that the pendulum swinging that's what happens when you're lazy when you're a lazy electorate Mm. oh and we are we're the laziest lazy and uneducated electorate will Mm -hmm. slide into authoritarianism Mm -hmm. say yeah (laughs) oligarchy to totally yeah Mm -hmm. it'd be cool if we could have like an actual aristocracy with a competent leader but yeah but obama can we force him to be king can we just like make him no that's not against the okay that's not the way (laughs) uh that'd be nice Oh, I, yeah. Well, I had said, I, we were talking about, you know, how Trump wants to be president for life. I'm like, no, we need a Mueller for life. We need an <laughs> all the time office of special counsel continually and always investigating our politicians. Yes. And someone was like, well, that's against the Fourth Amendment. I'm like, no, if you want to run this country and you and you want to be in charge of stuff, you are you do not get that right. You are subject mm-hmm. to constant um, criminal and uh, investigative scrutiny 
all the time. Totally. Yeah. And I want that tattoo, Muller for life. Got to be the number yeah. four, though, in L-Y-F-E. Yeah. <laughs> like in, in Old English across your back? Definitely, yeah. I Muller love it. for life. <laughs> and I want, like, Rohrbacher getting investigated constantly, too. Mm-hmm. People like him. Yeah. I think he is invest- being investigated right now. There's actually a couple of sources inside uh, that I can't mention that are saying uh, Nunez, Rohrbacher. Um, those guys are actually under criminal investigation right now. Good. Yeah. So uh, we also, speaking of... Uh, you know your thug life tattoo <laughs> we i want a muller she wrote tattoo yeah i want like the headphones you know that little headphone icon with maybe an mm-hmm. msw in the middle i like that or um something something with the lady i don't know if i'm I gonna get yeah if if i may because that's gonna, more nancy drew but i'm gonna get the nancy drew yeah and the msw right next to it like on my inner wrist i've decided like as soon as right. i can yeah and you're gonna do the headphones so we'll have different I msw tattoos. yeah but if yeah. you're an artist you want to throw out a tattoo design mm-hmm. although i really love the squid holding the black cro- blackbirds matter Oh, yeah. um, squid pro crow the, the squid pro crow yeah he, he was pretty cute um and it just doesn't feel epic but it, <laughs> but it's amazing yeah let us know what you guys think i'm open to anything but so far the spyglass nancy drew thing has me yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah For, I, I, totally I, something mm-hmm. spyglass headphones mm-hmm. something microphone. like that yeah yeah squids um, Squids, yeah, crows, all in, all in there. Squids, crows, beans, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in a metal, like a little amalgam with yeah. all the, all our weird inside jokes. Totally crotch act conjecture, but I'm right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Carly on Twitter at only words to play with that o n o n l y w r d s two number two play w mm-hmm. says quote hypothetically Trump could pardon Manafort but not Cohen because Cohen is being prosecuted in New York State right. Uh, no, Cohen is being prosecuted uh, in, by, in the U.S. Attorney's Office. That is a federal case. Mm. So that is not a state crime. Um, it could be pardonable. But as I said before, I don't think he's going to pardon him. If Trump pardons anybody, first of all, you have to wait until the jury is impaneled. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Um, bad things can happen. But um, you can't. You no longer are protected by the Fifth Amendment. And you have to accept guilt for all your crimes if you Ooh. accept a pardon. Yeah, that's so a tough one. it could backfire on him. That and Trump's just a dick, man. He, he expects loyalty from everybody and shows none. Yeah. And I don't think that he would, I think he would F Cohen in the A mm-hmm. with a D. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny D, no but v. a D. No, no Vaseline. People wouldn't get that if I said no V. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we may have talked about this already, but if you pardon someone and then get indicted and charged, what happens with the people that you pardon? You can't pardon somebody pre. You can only pardon somebody after they've been, oh. and, uh, I think, convicted. No pre-pardon? Well, that no, sorry, that's what I mean. Like, let's say Trump pardons people and then Trump gets indicted. What happens to the people he pardoned? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to think about it. Any but lawyers, let us know at Mueller, she wrote. And actually, I think Ford pardoned Nixon. Oh, but Of I'm, all future crimes, right. didn't he? I want to say you're right. I heard that before. And he was like full and full faith mm-hmm. pardon of Nixon and everything he's done. I think it's everything yeah. you've done wrong up to that point. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can't pardon people for future shit. Got it. I'm not sure. Uh, lawyers, help us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Butler at Becky with the hair. <laughs> it's uh, Becky W underscore the hair. Wanted to oh. know if Giuliani's comment on pardons was in reference to Manafort's jailing obstruction. Yes, I think it, I think it was. When Manafort ended up in jail... Um, I think that's that the timing suggests that he was dangling, dangling a pardon for Manafort. Totally. And maybe, you know, anybody else. Hey, hey, Cohen, probably just anyone that needs it. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Hachita 214 at Hachita. Mm. Uh, she goes by Hutch on Twitter. She says, do we think Trump is going to pardon everyone? 
Um, you know what? I don't know what he's going to do. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, if he needs to, I don't think he's mm. above it. I think he'll pardon Putin if it gets him out of going to jail somehow. Yeah, but his legal counsel is so dumb. He won't even listen um, to them. That I don't think he'll do it properly and it'll turn right. around to bite him in the ass. Oh, yeah, definitely won't do it pro- properly, but he'll do it. Yeah, I don't think he'd pardon <laughs> everyone. Really? Yeah. You don't yeah. think he'd pardon any of the Russians? Because what I, if they I mean, meant I, that? I think no, that would be political suicide. His only and way that's out of why going to jail? I don't think he can pardon Manafort. Mm. But pardoning the Russians isn't going to keep him out of jail. Oh, okay, okay. Because the Russians aren't coming to court to testify Got against it. him. So pardoning, but pardoning, oh. but but like yeah. for example, pardoning Manafort on these last two charges with Kalimnik, mm-hmm. he would have to pardon Kalimnik as well, Ooh. and that would be politically very bad for him. I would like to think. Seriously, I mean, he's really pardoning a Russian spy would yeah. be bad for him, but his base—I don't know. Like he said, he could shoot somebody. Yeah, my biggest fear is all—all all of these talks, <clears throat> you know, of what is considered to be political suicide is sort of based on an electorate that's going to hold them accountable totally. and push their based on past norms, which, them. which don't exist now. When it comes to this topic, I always fear the thought of a civil war because I know it sounds like when you say things like that or Marshall Plan, it's like, oh, scary. Why would you say that? But it's only because everything's pointing to if Trump flees or if he goes to jail and his base gets upset or we get upset if he gets away, like someone's going to be mad. Someone's going to be really mad. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, let's see. Meredith McLaren asked on Twitter. I don't think she was talking to us, but I saw her question anyway. (laughs) Concerning Manafort's $10 million bail, he used not only his property, but property his children were meant to inherit to post his bail. Since the bail was revoked, what happens to all that property? Uh, I think forfeiture is a separate hearing. But that property isn't worth shit. And that's uh, why there was an earlier hearing. That's why he ended up with two ankle bracelets. Yeah. Um, was because they found out that he violated the terms of his bail by saying, I got $10 million in property when it was only worth a lot less than that. Right, right. Um, so his kids would just be inheriting a bunch of debt, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. But if the government seizes it, win. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Carruthers Burbank asked if Manafort is locked up on federal or state charges. Uh, Good question. As we said before, Manafort is not locked up on any charges right now. Um, He is locked up because he violated his bail. Mm -hmm. He's been remanded. Um, He is a threat to justice. Mm -hmm. I was going to say a threat to the community. Threat to justice. (laughs) He's a threat to justice. Right. And, and that is why the judge, uh, Amy, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, says you can, that's her name from now on. I love it. Uh, that's why he's not allowed to roam free mm-hmm. uh, because we can't monitor him. We would have to rely on witnesses to tell the FBI that he was trying to contact them and suborn perjury. So he's in jail for that. He's not been convicted of anything yet. His mm-hmm. trial doesn't start until July 25th um, in Eastern District and in September, I think, uh, in so D.C. So he'll be in jail until then at least, but yep. maybe forever. Yeah, and if those trials yeah. keep getting pushed back. Mm-hmm. Is, is he asking if this charge is being brought by a federal prosecutor or a state prosecutor? Is All of his charges so far are federal. Right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just but thought. He yeah, asked if he was locked up oh, on federal yeah. charges. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Uh, no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, like I said, he, he locked up because be. he violated his bail. And uh, every single charge against him right now is federal. He has no state charges. Got it. Yeah. This time. And Mueller's team is the prosecutor. Yes, it's all Mueller. Chris Bliss wants to know if it's possible Cohen and Manafort don't have evidence to trade. Um, mm. Like, why would you even make a deal? Um, yeah. And that we, I think I brought this up earlier too. Very good question. I asked Stedman about this, and he feels, and I tend to agree, that the cooperation is excruciatingly valuable because we would get their testimony. Oh, yeah. And while document documentary evidence is great, um, it is, um, I don't, I don't. Not the only factor in play when the whole. Well, no. If you have documentary evidence, that's that's fantastic. But if you can bring testimony along with it to back up that documentary evidence, it, you are. 
it's it's more the 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 Case sum is, is greater than the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. There you in, go. In that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's um what is it? It's, uh, synergistic, I guess, is oh. is the way to say. And and that testimony is gold. Mm-hmm. And if you can get the testimony from Cohen to back up all the documents we have on Cohen, if you can get the testimony from Manafort to back up all the shit we have Solid. on Manafort, yeah. it increases your chances of, of conviction. Yeah. It's like going from 95% conviction chances to like 100%. I don't I think it's even more than that. Oh, <clears throat> 110% conviction. <laughs> 187%, which is not possible. Um, Chris Croninger says, can you explain who the Russian indicted with Manafort is and how they're connected? Yeah. Uh, Chris Kalimnik, or excuse me, Constantine <laughs> uh, Kalimnik, uh, he uh, started working with Manafort way back in the Ukraine days when Manafort was hired by Yanukovych, this frumpy asshole, to try to help his image around the world because he wanted to be um, basically installed as the as the leader of Ukraine by Putin. And so he was working for Yanukovych, got him dressed up in some nice suits, uh, took him around the world, uh, lobbied for him in, in Europe using the Habsburg Group, lobbied for him in the United States through Rohrabacher and Congress. Mm-hmm. He lobbied Congress, um, although he's trying to tell everyone that he didn't because he'd never registered as a foreign <laughs> agent. Um, and he so Kalimnik is also the guy who, when Oleg Deripaska uh, was working with Manafort back in the day and they went in halfsies on a cable company or something and <laughs> and uh, Oleg Deripaska who's a, a Russian oligarch uh, gave Gates and Manafort like 19 million dollars and then they disappeared and then he went after him for it he sued him in I think Georgia and then he sued him in Atlanta or I don't know something right he just kept him chasing in, him yeah in a couple places mm-hmm. or the British Virgin Islands I can't remember he sued him twice uh, and then Manafort became the campaign manager. And Manafort talked to Kalimnik and said, hey, I'm the campaign manager now. What can we do to, quote, make whole? Hmm. Basically, not W-H-O-L-E. Right, right. Um, <laughs> how can I can I use my position as the campaign manager uh, of an American president? To pay you back. Uh, presidential candidate to pay you back your $19 million. And mm-hmm. they, they set up, yes, they said that we can do private briefings. And so that's when he met with Kalimnik at 666 Fifth Avenue, mm-hmm. which is the same, the, the night before that second Trump Tower meeting took place. This is so So crazy. when Deripaska flew in, was he also not just talking to Kalimnik and getting Manafort's download, was he also getting the information from the side group meeting at Trump mm-hmm. Tower. Wow. Then he flew, we tracked his plane flying back to Moscow to pick up the prime minister, and then they went to Norway, and they went on a yacht, and that's where Nastya right. Rybka right. recorded them. Oh, my goodness. And Navalny released the tape, and now they're all, both in prison. It all comes together. There could be, like, a little timeline of events with the boat and, like, everything. Yeah. So yeah. Kal- And Kalimnik is a former, uh, he was a Russian military intelligence guy. Mm. Uh, FSB, former KGB. Okay, okay. Uh, well, FSB used to be the KGB. He right. was FSB. Yeah, just like Putin. And uh, yeah, well, f- Putin was actually KGB. Okay, okay. This guy was FSB, which used to be the KGB. Same, Same Yeah, yeah. And then um, he is still has ties to Russian uh, intelligence, military intelligence, right? And the GRU mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and FSB. Yeah. Uh, and that's how he learned English and all this other stuff. So he's he's a Russian spy. Yeah. And he is the go between between Manafort and anybody russia or I ukrainian mean, that's a a, a, a a separatist yeah i mean anyone that thinks that they're not russian spies working for the white house at this point it's like come on and when i say separatist i mean people who want um to separate crimea from mm-hmm. got it and make it part of russia okay okay mm-hmm. i see pro-putin russian separatist is a, yeah, yeah yeah is a bad guy 
I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense now. But I, then Yanukovych lost, and he fled to Moscow, and then the whole thing went down, and they found out about it. Manafort had to quit. Trump, yeah. Trump went on TV and said, Manafort only worked for me for uh, uh, 49 days, and that was yeah. a lie. He worked for him for 144 days, or it's 4944. Reverse that, something. It was three times longer. Exactly. Then he yeah. said, he's just full of shit. It's crazy. So that's Kalimnik. Uh, John Patrick Kate says, quote, sharp, witty, and in-depth coverage of one of the biggest investigation and crises in American history, all by women. Did I mention it's just plain addictive and fun? Please listen. Aww. Five stars. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, you guys. Thank you again so much for listening. You are the best fans in the wide universe, and this <laughs> podcast would not be possible without you. We will see you next week. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller, She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our partners are fastgrass.org and joysteaspoon.com. Fact checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Muller She Wrote staff includes AG, Jaleesa Johnson, Jordan Coburn, Sarah Hirschberger Valencia, Jesse Egan, and Sarah Lee Steiner. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone. This is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? Sorry. What We're no, Drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right, it just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, 
a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.